Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They're coming, they're going, they're coming and they are going. With the transfer rumour mill at full pelt in the coming weeks, it looks as if the front and back doors at Manchester United could be busy right the way up until the start of the brand new Premier League season next month. Jadon Sancho, we all now know that he's completed his move to United and Rafael Varane's arrival in Manchester is expected within at least the next 48 hours. But here on today's episode of the Football Social Daily, we're going to be looking at who could be the first big name exit out of Old Trafford as Ollie looks to balance the books. Reports from The Athletic are going for PSG. Yes, they are back in for Paul Pogba. Pogba is allegedly not interested in signing a new contract with United and the French giants are interested in bringing him to Paris. That's where we get ourselves kicked off today. Then in part two... It's Arsenal. They get themselves under the microscope. Mikel Arteta has been another busy bee alongside Solskjaer. He's brought in some big names so far this summer, but the rebuilding job is not yet finished. Sky Sports are linking him with a £75 million bid for England star James Madison. We're going to be looking at that, whether that's likely, whether it's just gossip or nonsense. And then in part three... Something a bit less fun, as despite a ball even being kicked in 2021-2022, we're going to be examining the main candidates for relegation in nine months' time. Wow, that is how compact football is at the minute. We're already talking about relegation and the season has not even got itself started. Right then, plenty to get ourselves through on today's show. My name's Fergal Brennan and joining me this morning, we have our very own homegrown hero, Marley Anderson. Marley, how's things? Good morning. Yes, not too bad. Yeah. Um, I hopefully I I'm, don't get invited on just because I'm a homegrown uh, talent, like a third choice goalkeeper at Man United who happens to be English or Scott Carson at Man City. But yeah, hopefully I bring more more value to the team than that. No, definitely not. You're not just here. You know, you're not just here for that. The Scott Carson, the Richard Wright of things, um, and our exotic signing from Boyle Sports, Leon Blanche, bit of a South American flavour kind of star man that we can bring into things. Leon, how are you doing? 
I'm doing good, Fergal. How are you? I'm looking forward to the season. It feels like we haven't even had a break from football, but I'm looking forward to the Championship and the Premier League kicking off very shortly. No, no, I agree. I was saying to Marley before we started recording, I've gotten over the bit where the Euros finished and I said, yep, yeah, a, a break would be nice, you know, not just football, football every single day. But now I'm thinking, right, enough of this enough of this break. I want, I want to get back to having a ridiculous amount of things to do. Uh, and the Premier League always delivers on that because in two weeks' time, we are back in business. Right, United, Marley, we're going to go to you first on this. Obviously, big names coming in at Old Trafford. Jaden Sancho has been confirmed. We've all seen him in a United kit, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is massively excited to to get him involved in their plans. Rafa Varane, the deal is is all all but there. We haven't quite dotted the i's and and crossed the t's, but he's expected to sign in the next twenty four to forty eight hours. The other big story is concerning an exit. The Athletic, as I mentioned at the top of the show, are going for Pogba. They've been interested in the past, but United have fought off their interest. Pogba's not really interested in signing a contract extension at United. He's got about nine to ten months left on his current deal. PSG are willing to go with £45 million to get rid of him. The United board have reportedly said to Solskjaer, look, if he's not signing a contract, we have to sell him. We, we can't afford to let him go for nothing. Would you let him go based on the current situation? No. I, I feel like they're almost there, Man United, with Pogba. Like He's come off the back of a good season. He's come off the back of a good Euros. Um, they're finally getting the talent to go around him um, in terms of Bruno Fernandes last year, um, signing Varane and Sancho this year. Um, Cavani up front can still, you know, he's, he's proved his worth big time in the last year or so. So I feel like they're, they're at that point now where you can maybe get the best out of Pogba, but it just happens that his contract is is at the um, that sort of tipping point where you, you've got to make a decision on someone, but... I, if I was Man United and, and it was financially possible, I would keep him. Um, I'd sell other players to to try and if you if, if if it is a case of, you know, balancing the books, I would try and get rid of a few others before him. Like I'd I'd let Lindelof go for and see if he can get twenty twenty five thirty million for him. I would maybe even let um, De Gea go and make the decision on giving it to Henderson, um, the number one shirt for for the foreseeable future. So. Um, I'd even sell Martial as well. I'd sell him in a heartbeat. I don't think you get enough out of him. So if it's to get a balance in the books, I think there's other players who can who can do that for you. Um, but with Pogba, it does seem to me like they're they're almost trying. They're almost getting the best out of him. I know it's been five years, but you know, Man United five years ago were were awful. Pogba was the jewel in, you know, um, Mourinho's manure, crown. Manure basically. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, there was a lot of. A lot of brown stuff around him, um, and he was the the one who was expected to do everything. I, th- I thought, um, but now there's there's a lot more threat to Man United. There's you've got to deal with Sancho, Bruno Fernandez, Pogba, you know, Martial if he's on a good day. Cavani's always a threat. Greenwood coming off the bench, um, and then they've got the two centre backs now, which are which are quality as well, and the full backs. Sorted. Luke Shaw's been probably the best, probably the best left back in the world in the last year or so. So. You know, it seems like you're getting there. So I think getting rid of Pogba now, even though I understand the argument, and I always will, I can still, I can just see him, you know, going on and doing something better now and and being a real sort of um, important cog in the wheel. Leon, when you look at the situation with Pogba in United, in terms of the performances that he's turned in, particularly in the last two, two and a half seasons, 
we're starting to see the Paul Pogba that United fans were essentially promised when they brought him back for, for from Juventus for, for a world record fee. But he does still polarise opinion for United fans. Even the most ardent Paul Pogba defenders who point at everything that he does for the team and the fact that when Solskjaer sets the team up in the right way to, to get the best out of him, he, he is world-class. He is amongst some of the best midfielders in the world. But... It's still a very strange situation because despite the talent that he's got and despite the fact that we have seen examples at United of, of what he can do, no one's exactly fighting tooth and nail to keep him. Does that mean that the signs are essentially pointing that he will go? A, a poor Pogba or a poor Pogba figure in, in any other team, fans would be absolutely screaming blue murder that they wanted to keep him. But there seems to be a very healthy percentage of United fans that would be not necessarily happy to see him go, but at least willing to see him go if he brings money into the club and a big wage is removed off the off the salary. Yeah, but I think, I mean, you know, you're talking about Manchester United. Do they really need the 45 or 50 million quid that they're going to get for Paul Pogba? And I would say no. And as Marley said, I mean, OK, he's got a year left. Fans are going to say we should get something in for him. But he could be the difference between maybe winning a Premier League and not winning a Premier League. If you sell him, who do they have to replace him? And I don't think they're going to get anybody to replace Paul Pogba. So it's a tough one, you know, in terms of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He's obviously a massive fan of Pogba. He's always come out and defended him. Anytime he's he's faced a bit of criticism, I think Solskjaer has always been right behind his man. Um it's a strange one in that they've let it come down to 12 months and we're still talking about him, will he leave or will he stay? Um, if I was a Man United fan, I'd be hoping we could even keep him. Look, we see big players leaving for nothing all the time and if he was to leave in 12 months and Man United won the Premier League, well, then he's already paid the money that he, he would have got if they sold him this summer. Personally, I think he will probably go because... United don't want to let a big name like him leave for free. It looks as if he's not going to sign a new deal. Um, I think that's pretty clear. But why not let him run out his contract? I mean, Man United make a lot of money anyway. The owners are very wealthy people. They've went out this summer and tried to appease the fans in terms of all mm. that nonsense with the Super League. They've signed two world-class players, in my opinion. I think Sancho and Varane have really solidified United to have a real go at Manchester City. Um, they probably need one more maybe player, in my opinion. But if you lose Paul Pogba, they need two players. And I just don't see who can come in and replace Paul Pogba right now. He is world-class on his day. There's no doubt he does frustrate people at times. But the talent that he possesses... Um, and I'm surprised even with Varane coming in. I thought, you know, French teammate... Um, knows him inside out I, 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 I just don't understand the situation how they've let it run down to only 12 months it's a little bit like Genie Wijnaldum at Liverpool it done my head in because you've got such a player that loves the club and I think Paul Pogba does love Manchester United I really think he does so it's a strange one but for me you keep him you try and win the Premier League and then you let him go because it looks as if he's not going to sign a new deal the irony in this situation, Marley, is that Varane, who's coming into Manchester United, as as um, as Leon pointed out there, he's a friend of Pogba's French international teammates. Solskjaer could essentially find himself in exactly the same situation as, as Carlo Ancelotti is in Madrid, 
he sat down and had a chat with Varane and tried to convince him to stay and sign a new contract. Varane said, no, I want to leave. I want to go to United. And Ancelotti's hands were tied. And the club have essentially told him he has to sell Varane. They don't want to let him go for free in, in 12 months' time. Is Solskjaer going to find himself in an almost identical position? I know Ed Woodward is not involved anymore, but somebody at some stage in the higher echelons of the club is probably going to sit down with Solskjaer and say, Pogba's agents have told us he's not signing a contract, he wants to leave, and because of that situation, you now need to sell him. He, we're not willing to let him run down his contract and leave for nothing. The wages that that will you know, leak out of the club in the next 12 months, we can't afford, so he needs to go and he needs to go now. Yeah, quite quite possibly. Um, it is There is a, a, a big similarity. It's almost the exact same, isn't it? Um, with the Varane versus Pogba debate, but what I'd be looking at if I was, was Man United is um, Varane, they've still paid quite a large fee for Varane, um, but even though there's a year left on his contract. And, you know, all of a sudden, if if you think if you do make that decision on Pogba, is that um, is that fee that you can get, if you can get 35, 40 million for him, you know, that's half of the fee that you, that you um, spent on him and you've had five years of him. So, you know, is that... I think that's a, a a nice little um sum to get back and it it offsets you know the fee that uh, that you just paid for Varane basically um almost you know over half of what it what you've just paid for Sancho so yeah if if PSG are, are willing to spend that kind of cash um which you would assume they are because they're desperate to win the Champions League so they're bound to take the plunge if it's there um you would maybe think that that's something where Man United could recoup quite a big um, chunk of of what they've spent this summer, so I think if you know, it, it just depends what decision they make because I I don't see the point in losing him for nothing. Um, I just think you know if they were going to lose losing for nothing next year, I think like winning the league. If you could say okay, we're going to win the league this year, but then losing for nothing, then that's you can kind of say okay, well, that's you know, well at least we won the league with him, yeah. But you can't you know, finish second or third and then losing for nothing. It's just, it's like you need to take that extra step and if by going backwards by selling Pogba or losing him for free, you know, I think that's a, a bit of a, you know, kicking yourself in the face sort of thing. So it's 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 a tough one, but they've got to make a decision quickly and stick to it because you don't want this rumbling on into the season because, you know, Pogba's the, the biggest dream for SEO people you know <laughs> clicking clicking articles online and stuff so the people aren't going to stop writing about it because there's nothing else to write about so it's just going to upset the the apple cart even more um and then you see you see poor donny van der Beek just thinking is he going because i i'd like his place and then <laughs> i might get a game if he goes and you're just thinking you poor sod uh, well, the, goss the gossip writers are having some fun at the minute, Leon. Marley's right, because we're in silly season, ahead of the Premier League campaign, and, and there's just time to fill column inches and, and fill website pages. And I have to ask you about this story. Now, if the PSG links are potentially serious, and we know that you know there is a connection between Pogba and the club, one story that, you never know, could happen, but I think I'm quite safe in saying it's, it's pretty unlikely. His agent, Mino Raiola, who's obviously infamous with stirring the pot, He's allegedly offered Pogba to Liverpool. Now, when I was reading this this morning, I genuinely, even even by silly season standards, I couldn't believe what I was reading. So, as a Liverpool fan, I've got to ask you this. Gino Wijnaldum's gone, ironically, to PSG. A little bit of speculation over Jordan Henderson, whether he's going to sign a new contract. Pogba 
to Anfield. What do you think of that, Leon? Um, I think this is why they always say paper never refused ink because <laughs> um, there's absolutely zero chance that Paul Pogba is going to sign for Liverpool. I would, like, honestly, Fergal, that, like, that would be something that, I mean, I think anyone who follows football would say no, uh, never. It just, it's not going to happen, is it really? I mean, Paul Pogba going to Liverpool, no, I just, um, I can't have it. I just don't see him going to Liverpool in the first place, Man United letting him go to Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp uh, taking on Paul Pogba, it just doesn't fit into Liverpool. Um, look, I mean, it just baffles me sometimes like the stories that are thrown around because this is just not going to happen. There's absolutely zero chance. I hope Marley would agree and I hope you'd agree. This is just never, ever, ever going to happen. Man United letting a superstar go across town, basically, to sign for Liverpool, um, you can just imagine the uproar. I mean, Manchester United fans have made their feelings pretty clear about the owners. If this was to happen, <laughs> I think the Glazers would be absolutely ran out of town as quick as they could. You know, it just, no, yeah. no, it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. Yeah, I think the the paint job that they've done at Old Trafford will be quickly forgotten if uh, <laughs> Paul Pogba pulled on uh, a Liverpool shirt. Before we take a quick break, we're going to call this in terms of where Pogba's going to be next season. The transfer window does now run until the end of August. The experiment, which I agreed with, of uh, cutting it off before the season started, has now ended. So we could be in for a, a month of speculation. Marley, Leon's pretty clear. He's not going to Liverpool, but at least by the end of September, where will Paul Pogba be? Will he be staying at United, seeing out his contract, or will he be at PSG? Uh, I think he'll stay. I think that PSG move is always going to be on for him. Um, even if he's 30, 31, when he eventually goes, it'll always be there. They'll always want him. Um, so, yeah, I think he'll he'll stay. Leon, would you agree that he's going to stick or is he going to twist? I think he's going to stick. Um, I think he's going to see out his contract and I know it's a gamble but I just don't think Manchester United are in that much of a need for what 35 or 40 million for a player who's in his last year of his contract as I said earlier if he stays and they win the Premier League he'll be let go with the best wishes in the world yeah I agree I've been I've been umming and ahhing as you guys were both talking but no I just I think Ollie will fight tooth and nail to keep him and I think at the moment the club are on a, a bit of a charm offensive they don't want to do anything to upset Ollie, and they definitely don't want to do anything to upset the fans so I'm going 3 for 3 Pogba to stay at United next season right we're going to take a quick break here on the Football Social Daily after the break it's Arsenal Mikel Arteta has been very very busy so far this season and now he's potentially going to splash the cash on James Madison. We're going to be talking about the potential of that move and assessing Arsenal's business so far this summer. We'll catch you in a second. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Friday edition of the podcast. Just two weeks left on the countdown before the brand new Premier League season kicks off. But in the absence of any actual action to talk about, we are assessing some of the biggest juiciest transfer gossip at the moment. Manchester United and Paul Pogba was the big topic in part one. Now it is Arsenal. Leon, 
again, you know, we mentioned it in the first part, silly season, ridiculous rumours floating around. Arsenal have been busy in the build-up to the new campaign, despite not having any European football to deal with this season. Laconga has come in, Nuno Tavares has come in. There's big links that Ben White is going to be joining on a £50 million deal from Brighton. There's been pictures leaked of him allegedly having a medical at Arsenal in the last 24, 48 hours. Arteta's not stopping there. Sky Sports are going with a £75 million bid for James Madison. That would break the club's record. Obviously, 72 paid out for Nicolas Pepe to bring him in. This, you know, we joked before about Pogba going to Liverpool. This one doesn't seem as ridiculous on paper as it might sound in, in practice. But part of that is probably still based on old perceptions of Arsenal. What we're actually finding here is, is an interesting example of where the two clubs, where the two teams find themselves sitting at the moment. And the most famous example was, was back in 2016 when Arsene Wenger wanted to sign Jamie Vardy just after Leicester won the league and Vardy had banged in 24 goals. And Wenger was essentially left a little bit embarrassed because Vardy said thanks, but no thanks. And Vardy's decision was essentially vindicated. Leicester have consistently finished above Arsenal in, in the last couple of seasons. Arteta could find himself in a similarly embarrassing situation if James Madison says, thanks for the offer, but I'm staying where I am. Yeah, I mean, look, like, I suppose every player has a price and Leicester, they do sell big players. I mean, they got a massive fee, obviously, for Harry Maguire when he went to Manchester United. And if the figure of 70 to 75 million is what Arsenal are willing to pay for James Madison... I think it boils down to Brendan Rodgers. Um, maybe Madison, I know he had an injury last season. I mean, he's a very exciting footballer. Um, I loved him with Norwich. He came to Leicester. He made the step up very, very quickly, very, very easily. But he probably is an asset that you could sell. Um, would, would he be a massive loss for Leicester in terms of how they do their business and bring in a couple of new players every season? I'm not so sure. Um, I just think at that type of figure, it's a massive profit, profit Excuse me for Leicester. And Madison going to Arsenal, I mean, that's a bit of a sideways step as well. Um, I don't think Arsenal are going to be better than Leicester next season. I know they're splashing the cash, but again, it kind of smacks to me that the owners are trying to appease their fans. They're spending money on players to try and make up for the complete like debacle of the so-called Super League that thank yeah. God is not going to happen. I just, I mean, like for Madison, he, you know, um, he, you know, he'd want to be in the England squad, but I think he's still a little bit behind. I think he has a number of players still ahead of him. Does he go to Arsenal and become that number 10 in behind Aubameyang, in behind Lacazette? It just, look, if Arsenal are willing to pay that type of money, Leicester might just have their arm twisted because that's a huge fee. Um, he's a very talented player. There's no doubt in my mind uh, he could do a job for Arsenal. But for him personally, does he see that as a, as a step up the ladder? Because for me, it's not. I think Leicester have a better squad. They have a better run football club. Their manager at the moment, okay, he's failed to qualify in the Champions League like for the last two seasons when probably some people would say he should have at least got it once. Um, it's going to be an interesting one, but I do feel if Arsenal are going to give £75 million, I think Leicester will sell Madison at that price. 
It's a strange one, Marley. When you look at the numbers from last season, James Madison obviously had a little bit of an injury problem at the back end of the campaign, and that probably added to the fact of why he missed out on the England squad for, for Euro 2020. But more assists than anybody else playing for Arsenal last season. He had more goals than any midfielder for Arsenal last season. So you can see why the interest is there in terms of what he would offer as a creative influence and <clears throat> and a goal-scoring threat. But Arsenal do need bodies in this summer in order to you know make a bit of a challenge to, to get themselves back into the European places. But given the fact that Emil Smith-Rowe has just signed a new contract... Bukayo Saka is massively talented and really highly thought of. There's Aubameyang, there's Pepe, there's Lacazette. Not necessarily do they need Madison because he is a talented player, but if Arteta has a finite amount of money to spend, is that the right area of the team to be focusing on? I would say I would say yes, but you know then then I look at the sort of right back situation. I think you haven't really got a proper right back in in my opinion. Um, Bellerin's not the best anymore Cedric is more of a stopgap but you know it, it certainly seems like he, they want a, a number 10 because they're talking about Odegaard aren't they trying to get him back and then that's gone quiet while his Madison links have, have popped up but you know I mean sort of building on what, what Leon said before you know is it a sideways move I, th- I think it's if, if anything it's a backwards move for, for James Madison right now because Leicester have consistently finished above Arsenal for the last two or three years Um you know, been so unlucky to miss out on the Champions League in both those years. You would assume they might have another go at it this year. Um, they've got a proven manager. They've got a proper structure at the club. Um, but the one thing that would tempt Leicester into selling is how well they've spent money uh, when they've received big fees in the past, like selling Maguire and buying um, um, Soyuncu and then selling Chilwell and signing... Um, I think they got Fafana with that money and uh, uh, James Justin as well, and you know you say you, their their track record of spending money is very very good. So if you say you could have seventy five million by selling Madison, you know you've already got Tielemans, and if you play four three three, you've already got enough players to um, to do that without Madison. You've just signed um, Sumaria from from Lille as well, so you've already got a replacement there almost, even though he's not a number ten, but. If you play without a number ten, it's not a problem. Um, so I, I, I'd be kind of tempted if I was Leicester, but you know it, it doesn't leave you much money. It doesn't leave you much time to spend that money this summer. So you know, are you are you strengthening a potential rival for you know and, and cutting off your own nose to spite your face sort of thing? So um, yeah, as as for for Madison, I can see the the clamour of signing for for Arsenal, but I think Arsenal have got enough. Um, if they don't get him, I think, you know, you give Smith Rowe the number 10 shirt and a new contract, that sort of says to me that he's going to be first choice in that number 10 role. Um, I do think they need another, just one more attacking player in that, in that sort of attacking midfield three. So you've got, you know, you've got Pepe um, at the minute and you've got, um, uh, what do you call him, Saka? And you've got Smith Rowe and then you've got Willian. And then other than that, you've, I mean, Reese Nelson's not really done much. Joe Willock might not get a chance as much, um, depending on what his situation's like and who he's playing for by the end of the transfer window. But you know, I I sort of split on this one because I can see I can see why both sides would want it. I can see why all parties would want it. But seventy seventy odd million quid for for Madison is a hell of a lot of money. Um, even though he's, I do think he's quality, but. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of money, and I'm not sure it's a forward step as well at this point in in 
both teams' sort of trajectories. Looking at the situation from a Leicester perspective, Marley, we've talked about what it would mean for Madison. Would it be a good move? Would it be a bad move? Would it be a, a sideways step and, and possibly where he would fit into to Arsenal's system? But Brendan Rodgers, as you both mentioned, does have a track record of, of selling important players for big money, replacing them and, and probably saving a few quid as, as part of that. Yuri Tillemans and, and Wilfred and Diddy were both courted earlier this summer. Liverpool and United were rumoured to be tracking them. That's both gone cold. Rodgers looks to have convinced them to stay. They're arguably, for me, more important to Leicester than, than James Madison. Sumario's come in as well. He'll add a bit of thrust and a bit of goal threat from, from the centre of the park. Could Rodgers possibly be looking at this and saying that amount of money can be reinvested? And also, in terms of priorities of keeping players, Tielemans, Ndidi, Soyunku at the back are, are more of a priority than, than James Madison. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, I think there are... Yeah, I agree. I think there are more important players in that team um, than Madison. I think... For most of last season, I know he was injured a lot, but even when he came back, he wasn't necessarily starting every game because he was. One of the things I like about Rodgers is he plays different formations. Um, each, it's like he's not scared to change it and drop people to to give the opposition a, a harder time to work them out. Um, they're, they're not very predictable. They ended up playing with two strikers um, towards the end of last season, and that worked really well for them as well. So, I think they've got enough like tactical flexibility to to cope without him sort of thing um, I think maybe as well in the next couple of years he, you know will they, need, will they need to sign a striker because if you think Vardy's 34 now you know if he has another quiet season then at the end of next season could they be looking to to buy someone um, proven and, and that could be their centre forward for the next five years because if you're looking at that and saying yes we will need a striker 75 million or 70 million or 65 whatever in the bank now is ready for you to go and scout a, a top a top class quality striker next next summer. So there's another thing to think about if you're Leicester. Um, you're thinking, can we cope without him? Yes. Do we need that money? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, probably. Um, so that might swing them towards uh, selling. Okay, we we'll put you on the spot with with Pogba in part one. Leon, we'll go to you first, and then and then back to you, Marley. This one's probably going to roll on, as I say, with the, with the transfer window now open until the end of of August. We're going to get a, a chance to see Madison in a Leicester shirt, and Mikel Arteta will, will probably make a bit of a decision in the next few weeks. If an offer is received by Leicester, can you see this happening? Can you see James Madison in the red and white of Arsenal in September? If they bid seventy million plus. Yes, I think every player has a price and if Arsenal bid that crazy amount of money for James Madison, I think Leicester will take it. Marley, would you agree? Uh, I'm tempted to say yes with, with this whole uh, whole situation. I think the money's too much. Um, Leicester trust themselves in the market um, and yeah, they can they can cope without him or get a replacement in for half as much. So yeah, I, I feel like it'll... Uh, it's more likely to happen than not. As the Arsenal fan on the stand, I'm going to go with no. Um, I don't think it will happen and I kind of don't want it to happen. It's not. It's nothing against James Madison. I do think he's a talented player, but I just I think Arsenal have got so many holes elsewhere in the squad that 70, 75 million being 
lashed out on James Madison. It wouldn't be a waste of money, but we're in a position where we don't really have any centre backs. Even if Ben White comes in, I think we're we're massively short in defence. So no, I don't want to see James Madison at Arsenal next season because it is going to cost an absolute truckload. Uh, as the official measurement, a truckload of money to uh, to bring him to the Emirates. Right, we're going to call it there on the transfer gossip. Pogba, Madison, gossip columns put to one side. We're going to take a quick break. After the break, something a little bit more serious. Relegation, something every team or at least every set of fans worries about at the start of the season. Even if you're Manchester City in your wildest dreams, they're probably still thinking, you never know, it could all just turn into a disaster and we can end up in the championship. But we're going to be looking at the realistic candidates that could be going down in nine months' time. We'll be back in just a second. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Friday edition of the podcast. Just two weeks to go until the start of the brand new Premier League season. But here on the Football Social Daily, we have got you covered in the meantime. If you're a fan of the podcast or if you're a brand new listener to the show, if you give subscribe a quick click, you can get an episode three times a week as we build back up to the start of the season. And once we get ourselves kicked off in August, it's going to be a podcast every single day. So with that in mind, we are going to be talking about the slightly sticky but very serious issue of relegation. Leon, naturally at the start of the season, the markets are always a bit of an interesting one to take a look at. Who's going to win the league? Who's going to get the golden boot? We're going for something a little bit, not duller, but you know, not quite as exciting as who's going to be massively successful. We're going to be looking at who is going to be looking over their shoulder. And naturally, the three favourites to go straight back down to the championship are Norwich, Watford and Brentford. As it stands, according to Boyle Sports, Norwich are five to six and Watford and Brentford are both evens. That's a natural reaction. These are brand new teams. Obviously, Brentford, their first ever spin in the Premier League. Given the way things stand going into the season... Are you expecting that to stay the way it sits at the moment, particularly in the first month or so of the campaign? I mean, it's always hard for clubs coming up um, in terms of trying to stay in the top flight. And you're looking at those three teams and saying to yourself, do they have the players and do they have the squads capable of having a real go um, and staying in the Premier League? And you're obviously looking at the sides who just stayed up last season as the ones who probably will fight it out with them um, to be the three relegated sides. Norwich, they went up, they went back down straight away. Uh, maybe that experience will help them. Um, I'm not too sure have they done enough yet in the transfer business to try and stay in the Premier League. Watford, pretty similar, you know. And Brentford, for me, are a side that, you know, they might just... They would be the one out of the three... Me, personally, I feel that they could have a chance um, of staying up. They've done extremely well even when they've sold some big players. Um, like Ollie Watkins was a massive sale when he left and went to Aston Villa. And a lot of people thought, oh, that's Brentford's chances gone um, in terms of trying to get promoted. But they did it. Um, I think if I was to pick one side out of the three that have come up, and I know Brentford obviously had to rely on the playoffs for... In my opinion, they'd be the one that I would give a bigger chance to actually staying up above Norwich and Watford. You're looking at the other sides then, the likes of Crystal Palace, 7-4, Burnley, 
five to two. Newcastle, Marley won't like this, are five <laughs> to two to be relegated as well. But surprised it's that long. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really see anyone else outside of those three sides, um, as in the ones who've stayed in the Premier League, that might get relegated. I think it's and if I'm being totally honest, I think Burnley just always seem to do enough. So you're looking at Crystal Palace with a new manager in Vieira. He's brought in a couple of players, but they don't have really a big squad whatsoever. And you look at Newcastle, they're always fighting relegation season after season after season, but they seem to get the job done as well. So for me, I think Crystal Palace are the ones that are most likely to be dragged into a relegation dogfight. It's a massive job, obviously, for Patrick Vieira um, taking on that club. Um, the way the club has been left, I know we're going to speak about Palace as well, but the way the club has been left with so few senior players being kept on in terms of even having a contract, it's a farcical situation. But for me, out of the three that have come up, I'd give Brentford the best chance of staying in the Premier League. Marley, looking at the business that's been done by the, the three promoted sides, we'll, we'll look at Palace and, and Burnley and Newcastle in just a sec, but... Brentford have been have been fairly solid in terms of the recruitment. They've spent about twenty five million. Christophe Ayer coming in from Celtic is the is the big name transfer. Fifteen million he costs to come in and give a bit of experience and a bit of sure footedness to the defence. Norwich have kind of gone the opposite way than they did the last time they came up, where they backed the players that got them promoted to to do the business in the Premier League. They've spent thirty five. Milot Rashiga and, and Ben Gibson are the two jump out names. Eight and nine million respectively, and then Watford are the other end of the scale just 12 million Imran Lauser who comes in from from Nantes in the French league is there is their big signing looking at the business and it's always very difficult to to gauge that balance of a squad of players that have battled through 46 or even more games if you've gone through the playoffs and saying I trust you but I don't trust you in the Premier League and that's why I'm spending this much money. For, for Daniel Fark, for, for any manager that comes up, it is difficult to, to strike that balance within the squad of, of trust and faith in their ability to, to do it in the top flight. Based on the business that they've done, who have you been most impressed with so far this summer? Um, I'm, I'm not quite sure really because I, I don't think any of them have had a, a standout sort of, oh my God, they're going to be good. Um, type of thing. I think Norwich has, you know, Norwich has sold Buendia, for example. Um, there's no guarantees over Rashika and what he can do. Um, he, he seems like one of them players who might just like just get swallowed up by the Premier League. I'm not sure how good he he might prove to be. I might be wrong. He, he might be quality, but I don't. I would be tempted to say Norwich are weaker than they they looked the last time they were in the Premier League because um, they haven't got Ben Godfrey. They haven't got. Jamal Lewis, they haven't got Buendia. Pookie's another, you know, two years older or a year older, whatever it is. Um, and I just, I'm not, so I'm not sure about Norwich. Um, Brentford will, Bre- Brentford play the best football, I think, of, of the three of them coming up. Um, I kind of hope it sticks because um, I like what they've done as a club. I like how, um, is it Matthew Benson, the um, the owner? I like mm-hmm. how he's built the club on a, it's been compared to Moneyball um, in, you know, the baseball film. Um, of of how he's done it, he's done it on you know getting rid of the um, the reserve team and and the under twenty threes and just having you know putting everything into the first team and and signing players from uh, from Michelin, the the Danish team that he also owns. I think they've done that again this season with with one of the players signed another Scandinavian in in Ayer as well from Celtic who was linked with Newcastle for 
uh, a long time for for five or six million, and then eventually his, his price ends up going up by ten million to um, to to go to Brentford. But I think that's probably a decent signing. I think from from Celtic fans, he's he's erratic at best. Like he's sometimes he can be amazing, sometimes he can be a bit of a disaster. But I think if the Premier League can iron out those those concentration mistakes, then maybe that's somewhere where they can they can improve. But other than that, I mean, Watford uh, Watford haven't spent enough for me. I think they're probably the best equipped in terms of they didn't lose many because when when they went down, obviously they lost to Kure. But I think did they sell De Lefebvre to um, to Udinese on loan or something for the year? And then because because of the Pozzo family, they just loan them to Italy and bring them back with the next time they come up. Yeah. Which is, you know, a massive An interesting loophole. strategy. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a huge loophole. It, in my opinion, <laughs> it, sh- it shouldn't be allowed. But um, if it is what it is, so it's at the minute it's a loop, a loophole and, and a bit of sort of gamesmanship. But it's it's allowed. So fair play to them for for seeing that. But I I think Watford, you know, I think I think Watford will go down again. Um, I've never been that impressed by Watford at any point. I think they'll sack another. At least one more manager. That Cisco fellow they've got in charge now. He'll be gone by Christmas probably. Uh, they'll sign someone else. Zola might come back or Jovanovic for a third time or something. Or um, what do you call him? Kike Sanchez Flores for the fifteenth time in ten years or whatever it's been. So he might come back. I don't know. Um, but I think Watford will. I think Watford will go down. I think Norwich will go down. I think Brentford have got the best chance because they play the best football. But. You know, can can you make it stick in the Premier League, and that's that's the challenge for them. So, I'd be uh, I'd be tempted to say the three of them would go back down if I had to put money on it. But you know, it, it only takes uh, a bit of Bruce Ball in the first five minutes of the season to think we might join them. <laughs> um, I think if Watford do sack Cisco, if they don't uh, do a, a social media video of Thong Song and him walking out of the Road, <laughs> I'll be I'll be massively, massively disappointed. Uh, anyone that doesn't know Thong Song, get it on YouTube. It's an absolute anthem. Um, looking if, at it, some... if anyone's not heard of Thong Song, that, that that last sentence you just said would be so weird. <laughs> like what the what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> yeah, trust me, I'm not I'm not just uh, talking rubbish. It is an actual song, and Cisco, uh, not that Cisco, the another Cisco is uh, is the man behind that. Right, looking at some of the other teams that I mentioned in that in that block there is a bit of a gap Leon in terms of the market of the teams that have just come up and the teams that were in the Premier League last season and could fall into the the relegation equation and, and Crystal Palace is one of them and there's a number of reasons for it Patrick Vieira has come in there's massive doubts over him in terms of a manager Premier League player he's a legend in terms of his time at Arsenal captain them to a massive amount of success but his time in America and then his time in his France in France with with Nice is not particularly ex- inspiring. If you're looking at this as a Palace fan, and the big story from them player-wise over the s- summer has been 11 first-team players let go: Andros Townsend, Patrick Van Aanholt, Mamadou Sakho, James McCarthy. You know, you could you could carry on. Um, they have brought in a couple of names. Joachim Anderson has come in after impressing with Fulham last year, and and Mark Gway is coming from from Chelsea after getting a few rave reviews from them, but. Ultimately, you, you get the sense, if you're a Palace fan looking ahead to this season, there's a huge amount of experience that's been drained out of the club. That stability that Roy Hodgson offered, it, it might not have been the most exciting, but you've got this in, incredibly nice fella managing the club and almost guaranteeing that you're not going to be dragged into a relegation battle. He's now gone. A very, very unproven Patrick Vieira has come in 
and despite a, a couple of new faces that will cause a bit of excitement, there's huge amounts of bodies that have walked away from Selhurst Park. Well, it's a massive risk, um, honestly. I mean, I don't know what um, mindset that the owner of Crystal Palace has had in terms of how he's let it get to this kind of situation, as you've just mentioned there, 11 first-team squad members leaving the club to try and get a new manager who's unproven in the Premier League, a fantastic footballer, yes, um, but to bring him in to try and now replace um, a lot of those bodies who've left with new players, it's, it's I mean, it's a massive gamble. Um, I think Palace are going to get relegated, if I'm being totally honest. I just think there's too many unknowns uh, with them at the minute. Uh, if they start slow and results um, are going against them early doors these players don't even know each other and it's a mm. big big risk I, I mean I think the one thing with Roy Hodgson was he kept a kind of a solid base of around seven or eight players who used to start week in week out barring injury they would always be on the Palestine maybe even more I mean I might even push it up to nine players every single week you knew if they were fit, they would play. And they knew each other. They knew exactly what every player was doing. To bring in so many new faces, which Crystal Palace are going to have to do because they need bodies. They have a tiny squad. So you're bringing in... I would say before the transfer window closes, Palace could have the guts of maybe six, seven or eight new signings. And for a club that has showed no ambition, I think the owner has pretty much just accepted that they're going to be a run-of-the-mill Premier League side. Um, he's never really had a real punt. He's never really had a go. He's never spent big money. Um, and I just think this could be the season where Palace finally drop out of the top flight. I'd be very worried if I was an Eagles fan. I really would. I just I don't understand um, the mindset. I don't understand the business plan because it just baffles me how he's let so many players go this summer brought in an inexperienced manager and is hoping that they're going to stay in the Premier League. It's just a massive risk. And I and, and, and it's a risk I feel, Fergal, that's going to backfire. I think Palace, out of all the teams that we've been talking about, they're the ones for me that really, really are on the cusp of getting relegated, in my opinion. Burnley are next on the list, Marley, in terms of in terms of the odds. Five to two potentially to get sent back to the championship. And Sean Dyche, it's just Groundhog Day for him. Every single season, <laughs> the same questions come up. Is he going to have enough? Are they going to have enough? And generally, the answer is yes, they, they do. They might not be pretty, it might not be the most exciting, but they do always have enough. And very little, again, has, has changed in terms of incomings or outgoings. Ben Gibson has, has gone. Nathan Collins has come in from Stoke City for, for £12 million. He had a little pop at Manchester City in midweek and the talk of Harry Kane and the potential it could be £150 million, And he quipped and said are they buying Harry Kane or are they buying the club and that was a bit of backlash of saying well you guys have just been bought out by ALK so you've got plenty of money to spend you just you're just not interested in spending it because you've you've never had money before so <laughs> given the fact that we know Dice isn't going to change much there's not going to be a mass exodus of players and he's not going to throw money around despite the fact that they've now got investment Burnley's still not a calling card to a lot of players to, to come to the Premier League to, to play at Turf Moor Mm. Are we right in just saying, same again, they'll have enough, there's three worst teams, X, Y and Z? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, the, the the likelihood of 
of Burnley spending a load of money on on you know seven or eight new players is about as likely as Sean Dyche rocking up next season with a, a Mohican on his on his head or something like that. He's just you know he'll do the same thing, they'll do the same thing. But he loves he He's loves more playing likely this to have a Mohican than Guardiola. Like I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah, uh, eating worms in the morning, having his hair done at uh, midday on a little Mohican style. But yeah, he's um he loves playing this card, doesn't he? He loves playing the whole. Oh look how much money everyone else has got, and we're little old Burnley, and blah blah blah. And he does it every year. He does it five, six times a year. When they get smashed six nil by City, they think he, he comes straight out with, "Yeah, but look how, look how uh, you know good their squad is." And you know, okay, that's that's a point. But also, Man City at one point were crap, um, just like Burnley are now. Like it's the same, it's the same thing. Just but Man City had new owners come in they started spending money and they started getting better and better and better and now they're at the top of the game so it could happen to anyone but it's never going to happen to Burnley because Sean Dyche do it the same does the same thing every year nobody can get you can't attract players to Burnley from from abroad it's more or less impossible because nobody knows what Burnley is in France or Belgium or Spain or Brazil or anything like that that's why all their scouting and all their negotiations come from the championship and sometimes lower as well you know I don't I think the last player they signed from abroad was Stephen Defoe in I think it's about 2016 um, and ever since then it's been domestic signings only and you know they don't have uh, a big scouting network so they've they've got to sort of they probably can't afford it that's a thing but they they don't choose to use it they do business differently and you know that's why they're very quiet every year I think last year they spent a total of uh, I think it was ju- just under a million pound on signing Dale Stevens, and that's it. That's all they signed. Then this year they signed Nathan Collins to 12 million, which is a big fee for Burnley. But does the centre back get in ahead of Tarkowski and me? Because they've been there for for five or six years now, and and well, probably more, and not they never get shifted, they never get injured, really. Um, so it's you know it's one of them where how much is he going to play? Is that a a plan for life without Tarkowski if somebody wants him? But yeah, it's um, Burnley will do what they always do. They'll they'll stink the place out for for many weeks, but they'll get they'll they'll grind out the results and they'll they'll get to forty points with ten games to go and they'll be fine. And they'll we'll be sitting here in twelve months' time going, Burnley haven't signed anyone again. Um, but you know what do they do, and it'll and our answers will be the same because it, unless they start spending money and taking risks, which is the most unburnly thing I've ever heard. Um, then they're not going to go, you know, any higher than fifteenth, um, and any lower than seventeenth. I don't think. But it's nice to have a little bit of uh, solidity, no? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think just to add to that, Fergal and Marley, I think Burnley's best signing was keeping Sean Dyche because yeah. there was a lot Nobody of nobody else would work him. under them restrictions, would they? No, no. And I mean, the job he's done, I mean, is phenomenal year in, year out. And I know there was a lot of talk. Maybe he'll he was going to move on, but to keep him, I think keeps him in the Premier League. Yeah, I I think I would agree with that. Uh, I just again we keep we keep kind of rolling back to the same point with Burnley. It's not going to be exciting. It is going to be much of the same. But you just get that sense with them that February March time, if they're in a difficult patch, they they just have enough to to drag themselves out of the uh, out of the quicksand. Um, Briefly, before we wrap up from the excitement of Burnley to the white-knuckle ride that is Steve Bruce's Newcastle, Marley, 
pre-season excitement. Uh, 1-0 defeat to York, 3-2 win over Doncaster, and then a one-all draw against Rotherham. In terms of signings, Newcastle have signed Diddley Split. They haven't actually signed anybody. Florian Lejeune came back, but uh, only hung around for a couple of days before making his move to Alaves. No new faces, not really amount of gossip surrounding them with that many players. Obviously, the Joe Willock talk is, is still rolling on. They're in this conversation. They're 5-2, to two, same as Burnley, to, to go down. Are you a little bit worried or do you think there's going to be new faces brought in in, in the next few weeks? Uh, I think we'll see one or two new faces. Um, not sure who they'll be yet. Hopefully, Joe Willock. Um, but, I mean, I said in the podcast uh, on Monday, I think it was, that um, Bruce has basically said already, well, he's, he's said these exact words, that they're waiting for the <laughs> top six to do business before they can, you know pick at the scraps left basically so they're waiting for maybe Arsenal to sign Madison then they can get Joe Willock um, or they might be waiting for Chelsea to get rid of um, to get a couple of players in so we can get either Barkley or Gallagher but Gallagher seems to be going to Crystal Palace um, and yeah so it's it's just one of them where we've in terms of squad the actual talent we've got we've got enough absolutely we haven't got a bad squad in my opinion at all we've got a bad manager who doesn't know how to use them um, I think the the style doesn't the, like the sort of pragmatic defense first style does not suit the players we've got in the squad. We've got plenty of players that can make things happen, like Saint Maximan, Almiron, um, Willock. If we get him, Wilson, even Joel Linton, if you play him in the right position, can can do something. Um, even though well, I've got nothing to, to back that on in terms of what he's done so far in the Premier League, but he certainly had a better season last season and looked more comfortable. Um, as if he was about to sort of get something going. We've got so we've got talent. Ryan, Ryan Fraser's done nothing yet, but has proved in the past that he can get you ten assists a season or fifteen assists if you're lucky. So yeah, um, there's enough there. It just depends on on the approach and the way we go about things. Because I think Bruce is quite happy to sit there and say, "Oh well, when the takeover goes through, this will happen, that'll happen." But the first thing that will happen if the takeover goes through is you'll get your P45. Because there's no man, he, he can't take you forward. He, it'd be like giving 100 million to Burnley. Wouldn't, they wouldn't know what the hell to do with it. Neither would neither would Steve Bruce. You know, oh, I've got 100 million. I've got to sign three more centre backs. Well, good for you, Steve. That's that's great. Um, but you know, you can only play five at the back like you have done for the last two years, and it's it's got us nowhere. But I mean, on on the odds as well. You know, five to two to go down. We finished twelfth last season. Like how many teams that ever finished twelfth are then five to two to go down the next season? That's such a short price, and that basically just um, proves that twelfth was an absolute fluke. Um, we would, I don't think we'd been as high as twelfth all season from any less than five games into last season, and we just ended up sort of falling into twelfth on the last day of the season when we beat um, when we beat Fulham. So yes, uh, it's. It's going to be the same season again. It'll be me mourning for the next um, 250, 300 days about uh, what the hell's going on at Newcastle and why we, why we, you know, stink the place out every week. But it's, it is what it is. It's, that's that's Steve Bruce for you. Um, and until something changes, something big changes, either the ownership or the manager or whatever, we won't we won't do anything big in the transfer market. I just hope we get hope we get Willock and and maybe another. To uh, to just help us out a little bit, but probably probably ends up going to be like someone like Axel Twanzebe from Man United, who, with all respect to him, he's not the type of player who you say, well, we've got him, we're going to do better this season because 
you just can't uh, you can't put that pressure on a, a centre back who's been a squad player for all his career. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's just going to be another season of, of bottom half lingering. I think for for us. Yeah, those four little words that everybody wants to hear at the start of the season will just have enough. Filling is all with optimism. <laughs> Burnley, Newcastle and Palace, lots to be excited about. Or in reality, probably not a lot to get yourself going. Obviously, in terms of the odds, all numbers were right at the time of recording the podcast, but they are subject to change. You can check out the latest odds at boyosports.com or the Boyle Sports betting app if you've got it. 18 plus, obviously, T's and C's apply, and please bet responsibly. There is advice available at begambleaware.org. Speaking of odds, speaking of numbers, Leon, maybe you can have a word with uh, the higher-ups and get us a market for most likely to have a Mohican on the first day of the Premier League season. Do you think that's, <laughs> think that's something you could maybe get for us? Listen, we can we can get a price on anything, Fergal, but um, for someone to have a Mohican as a manager, I think it's going to be a, a big price. I don't think we're going to see too many Mohicans at the start of this Premier League season. But I agree with Marley. I think when you look at Newcastle's squad at the moment, for any of those clubs in and around the kind of market to be relegated, they've got the best squad. And the best squad by quite some way, I think Newcastle are going to be OK. There you go. Massive bit of positive. You can kind of spin the words around there. And what Leon kind of said was Newcastle have the best squad. That's what I'm choosing to take from that. <laughs> um, that is a massive bit of positive positivity, obviously, to end the podcast on. Leon, Marley, thanks so much for your time. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Don't forget, we'll be back on Monday morning reviewing all the news from the Premier League weekend and building up to that big, big Premier League kickoff on August 13th. Don't forget to check back in with us then and we'll speak to you very, very soon. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.